1 Kings chapter 17, verse 1. And Elijah the Tishbite, who was of the settlers of Gilead, said unto Ahab, As the Lord, the God of Israel, liveth before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain these three years, but according to my word. Ahab is the king of Israel, the ten tribes of Israel. He's a practicing pagan, so he's a very evil king, leading the Israelites into sin. And Elijah is a great prophet. He has prophesied that unless he says that it's going to rain, it won't rain. Now, how could Elijah say something like this? Is it pride? No, it's not pride. Elijah understands his relationship with the Lord. The Lord comes first. Like most of the prophets in the Bible, he fasts, he prays like John the Baptist. He's a virgin. He doesn't have a wife. He doesn't have kids. He lives on his own. He doesn't have any of the normal pleasantries of life. He wears the clothing of mourning. He doesn't wear comfortable linen like normal people do. He wears a very rough outfit that's made of animal skin. And he lives out in the wild a lot, just like John the Baptist did in the New Testament. He doesn't have any wealth at all. He doesn't take anything from anybody. So it's a life of sacrifice and self-denial. And it's a life of prayer and obedience to the Lord. He obeys all of the Lord's commandments. And because of this, he is a righteous man. His prayers are powerful and effective. And God has already told him when to command the rain to come and when to command the rain to stop because of the sins of Israel until they repent. He's actually been commanded by the Lord to say this because he's a faithful servant to the Lord who has given up a lot in his own life to please the Lord and follow the Lord. 2. And the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, 3. Get thee hence, and turn thee eastward, and hide thyself by the brook Cherith that is before the Jordan. God told Elijah the prophet to go and hide and run away from Ahab. This is because Ahab is a king, and he can have Elijah killed. God tells Elijah, tell Ahab that his land is cursed and that it's not going to have a rain until I tell you to say it's going to rain. And then I want you to run. So he tells Elijah to go hide in Cherith. 4. And it shall be that thou shalt drink of the brook, and I have commanded the ravens to feed thee there. God knew that Elijah wouldn't be able to go to a market and get food for a couple of reasons. Number one, Elijah doesn't have a regular job. Number two, since he's hiding out in the wilderness, no one's going to know where he is or be able to bring him food. God is going to have him hide by a brook where he can drink water. God has commanded the ravens, birds, to bring him meat every single day, meat and bread. 5. So he went and did according unto the word of the Lord, for he went and dwelt by the brook Cherith that is before the Jordan. 6. And the ravens brought him bread and flesh, which is meat, in the morning, and bread and flesh in the evening, and he drank of the brook. I don't know where the ravens got the meat. Maybe from the sacrifices that the priests were doing at Solomon's temple? I don't know. This is an amazing supernatural story. It's 100% true. This really happened. But you might ask yourself, well, why don't things like this happen in my life? Why doesn't God have a bird bring me food? Why doesn't God have me speak to a king? And the answer is simple. You and I don't follow the Lord the way Elijah did. We haven't given up everything in life to obey the Lord and follow his command. Elijah gave up friends, family, 
career, his own reputation. He gave up everything to follow the Lord. And here he is just wandering in the wilderness all by himself, totally dependent on God. When we're totally dependent on God, amazing things happen. 7. And it came to pass after a while that the brook dried up because there was no rain in the land. Because God commanded Elijah to command the rain not to fall, the brook had no more rain after a while. 8. And the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, 9. Arise, get thee to Zarephath, which belongeth to Zidon, and dwell there. Behold, I have commanded a widow there to sustain thee. The widow would have access to a well, because every town, no matter how big or small, has a well. God sends him to go live with a widow. She's probably a faithful servant of the Lord as well, and that's why God has sent Elijah to her, to help her and to help Elijah. 10. So he arose and went to Zarephath. And when he came to the gate of the city, behold, a widow was there gathering sticks. And he called to her and said, Fetch me, I pray thee, a little water in a vessel that I may drink. The town the widow lives in is Zarephath, and that means place of purification with fire or place of trial. There's verses in the Bible that say that God will refine us in the fire, his fire of testing our faith. In this town, both Elijah and the widow will have their faith tested. 11. And as she was going to fetch it, he called to her and said, Bring me, I pray thee, a morsel of bread in thy hand. This is a test to see if she will be faithful to the Lord, and this test will probably identify her as the correct widow for him to live with. Because if she does bring him the water and the bread, that shows that she's the one. Just like previously when Abraham's servant went to go find a wife for Isaac, Isaac's wife was identified by being willing to give the servant water. 12. And she said, As the Lord thy God liveth, I have not a cake, only a handful of meal in a jar, and a little oil in the cruise. And behold, I am gathering two sticks, that I may go in and dress it for me and my son, that we may eat it and die. Famine came in the land, because there's no rain, therefore there's no crops, therefore nobody has any food. And the cattle are probably dying as well, because the rain isn't coming to give them water, and the grass isn't growing to give them anything to eat. And she says, All I have is enough oil and flour to make one little tiny cake for me and my son to eat our last meal, and then after that we're going to die. 13. And Elijah said unto her, Fear not, go and do as thou hast said, but make me thereof a little cake first, and bring it forth unto me, and afterward make for thee and for thy son. Elijah is telling her to use all the flour and oil she has to make him a cake. When she makes him a cake, she's really making it for the Lord, because he's the Lord's servant and the Lord commanded him to live with her. Elijah believes that the Lord will provide for both of them, but she has to step out in faith and show that she believes in the Lord, that he is going to provide by giving everything she has to the Lord through giving it to Elijah. Now, I don't want you to be fooled by the so-called prophets and pastors today who want you to give them all of your paycheck. If you do that, you're not really giving it to the Lord because those men are already filthy rich and they have way more money than you do. And so when you give them your money, it's not an act of faith. It's an act of ignorance. It's not faith for them to receive it because they don't have any needs. They're millionaires. Therefore, it isn't faith for you to give it. Do you understand? But when Elijah told the woman to give him everything she had, it was an act of faith on both sides. He had absolutely nothing. She had nearly nothing. 
Elijah has absolutely nothing. He doesn't own anything except the clothes he's wearing. Just like Jesus in the New Testament and John the Baptist in the New Testament, Elijah is living the exact same way. And his life is at stake because King Ahab could kill him for what he said. He told the truth. It's not easy being a prophet. Being a prophet means you tell the truth even if it could mean that someone tries to kill you. And that's why Jesus died, because Jesus told the truth. He told the people that he was God and the Son of God. And that's exactly why they crucified him. 14. For thus saith the Lord, the God of Israel, the jar of mill shall not be spent, neither shall the cruse of oil fell, until the day that the Lord sendeth rain upon the land. Elijah is telling the woman, Feed me first, then feed you and your son, because your oil and your flour will never run out until rain falls. This is a prophecy, and it will come true. Elijah isn't just making things up. He actually got this word from the Lord. There's a lot of prophets today who make stuff up. They think that just because they said it, it has to become true. This isn't the case if you're not really following the Lord. 15. And she went and did according to the saying of Elijah, and she and he and her son and her house did eat many days. They have food for many days because the oil and the flour never runs out. Every time she goes to the oil and flour, there's more there, miraculously. It's a miracle. 16. The jar of mill was not spent, neither did the cruise of oil fell, according to the word of the Lord which he spoke by Elijah. When God sends you somewhere, he provides. And that's what happened. He sent Elijah to the widow, even though the widow had next to nothing, and Elijah had nothing. And yet God provided so that the whole household would be fed throughout the entire famine. 17. And it came to pass after these things that the son of the woman, the mistress of the house, fell sick, and his sickness was so sore that there was no breath left in him. Her son died because he got sick, not because he was starving, because they were all eating, they all had food, but he died of some sort of illness. Even when we're obeying the Lord, tragedy can strike to test our faith. The Bible calls her a mistress because in the olden days, mistress meant misses. Her husband is dead, but she's still a wife of her late husband. 18. And she said unto Elijah, What have I to do with thee, O thou man of God? Art thou come unto me to bring my sin to remembrance and to slay my son? She's accusing Elijah, saying, The fact that you came here is probably what caused my son to die. She's saying, why have you come here? But Elijah coming there is what caused her and her son to live longer because they were going to die anyway of starvation before Elijah showed up. And now they've lived many days. This is definitely a test of her faith. And she's confused and doesn't understand that. 19. And he said unto her, Give me thy son. And he took him out of her bosom. This shows us that it's a small child. She was holding this boy in her lap across her chest and carried him up into the upper chamber where he abode, and laid him upon his own bed. He's going to lay this little boy on his own bed where he sleeps. His own bed is a sanctified holy place. He's a virgin. He obeys the commandments of the Lord. He lives for the Lord completely. He denies himself all worldly pleasures to serve the Lord. So his bed is totally sanctified because his life is sanctified, and he's been sleeping on that bed. 20. And he cried unto the Lord and said, O Lord my God, hast thou also brought evil upon the widow with whom I sojourned by slaying her son? Now Elijah is accusing the Lord. He's going, Look, you brought me here to keep us all alive, and she's serving you by taking care of me, but now her son is dying. 
Both Elijah and the widow realize that God is in control of everything, and he has allowed that son to get sick. Yes, God does allow trouble to come into our lives, but it's always for one of two reasons. It's either because we're sinning and he's disciplining us, or it's because we're living righteously and he's testing our faith, which is a great compliment. In this case, both the widow and Elijah are living righteously, and it's clearly a test of their faith. They need to trust the Lord. And that's what Elijah's doing by praying for the boy to be healed. If he didn't pray, it would show that he had no faith. 21. And he stretched himself upon the child three times, and cried unto the Lord, and said, O Lord my God, I pray thee, let this child's soul come back unto him. He's bowing over like you would a dead body if you're in mourning, and he bows over the dead body three times. 22. And the Lord hearkened unto the voice of Elijah, and the soul of the child came back into him, and he revived, meaning he came back to life. This is not a resurrection. This is coming back to life. There's only one person to date who's ever been resurrected, and that is Jesus Christ. Many people have been brought back to life, and this is just one of them. The difference between resurrection and being brought back to life, if you're brought back to life, you have to continue your life and then die again for good. This boy wouldn't live forever. One day he would become an old man and he would die again. But when Jesus Christ was resurrected, he didn't come back to life to grow old and die again. He came back to life in a glorified body and ascended up into heaven to be with the Father. That's the difference between coming back to life and being resurrected. If you're resurrected, you get your glorified eternal body and you go up to heaven to be with the Father. In the book of Revelation, it talks about those who followed the Lord being resurrected because when they come out of the graves, they will get a glorified body and go up to heaven and be with the Father forever. So at that point, then other people will be resurrected. But to date, no one has ever been resurrected except Jesus Christ. But this boy is one of the many people who was raised from the dead. 23. And Elijah took the child and brought him down out of the upper chamber into the house, and delivered him unto his mother. And Elijah said, See, thy son liveth. So he carried the boy back downstairs and presented him to the mother. 24. And the woman said to Elijah, Now I know that thou art a man of God, and that the word of the Lord in thy mouth is truth. Now her faith is stronger. She believes Elijah's word even more than she ever did before. She knows that his word isn't really his word. It's the word of God. When he says something, it's from the Lord. The reason we don't see a lot of people like this today is because faith is so shallow today. People haven't really given up everything for the Lord. I haven't. Even the most devout Christians today still go to ball games, and they still go shopping, and they still exchange gifts on Christmas, and they still have regular jobs and bank accounts and retirement accounts. So they really haven't given up everything like Elijah did. Now two prophets are coming in the end times that will be exactly like Elijah. They will be the same type of men who wear sackcloth, who mourn over those who are going to hell, who tell people to repent, who live chaste lives. They don't have wives or children who have given up everything. They don't have regular jobs. They don't have bank accounts. And they will stand before the entire world and proclaim the word of the Lord. And that day is coming. They will be here. The Bible talks about them in the book of Revelation. That concludes 1 Kings chapter 17. But we are going to hear a lot more about Elijah in the next few chapters.